welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Uh, If you got your Bibles, we are in Matthew 18. I've got a picture coming up here today. I want to tell you another story about this very remarkable lady. If you haven't seen her before, this is Miss Corey Ten Boom. And and you've heard me a bunch of different times tell stories about her. One of the most remarkable Christian missionaries of our time. Um, And just so you understand her background, she and her family had uh, had decided to hide Jews from the Nazis during World War II. It cost most of her family their lives as they were arrested and accused of conspiracy and her and her sister were both sent to the Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp. She was able to survive that, one of the only people in her, and in her family that survived and she dedicated her life after coming out of that concentration camp to serving the Lord. Uh, she took care of people that were coming out of concentration camps caring for their wounds and their needs. She also spent most of her life into her 80s traveling around literally living out of a suitcase and sleeping on couches to spread the message of God's forgiveness and God's grace across the world. I want to tell you, I think, what is probably one of her favorite stories because I've read it in two of her different books. The only story I've heard repeated by her is a story about when she went back to Germany. And as she was in Germany, she shared her story as a Holocaust survivor. This is what they did to me. This is how God sustained me. This This is the power of our God. And she talked about the forgiveness of God, how God can forgive any sin. And how everything can be handled by Jesus on the cross. And afterwards, she wasn't used to this. She said, normally when I preach in Germany, or I'm sorry, preach, when I speak in Germany, normally when she spoke in Germany, the people would just leave the room quietly because there was a huge weight in that culture for what had happened under the Nazi regime. But this particular day, a man began to make his way from the back. And suddenly she saw him coming and she recognized him. He had been a former guard at the prison camp where she had been kept, and a particularly mean one at that. And and suddenly, just this overwhelming of emotions as she saw that face again, she put herself back there, walking naked through a concentration camp. She could feel the mud. She could see the body of her sister as it lay lifeless after she passed away, and she could see this man's cruel grin. And it all came back to her. And he walked up to her and he said, I just want you to know how refreshing it is to know that I am forgiven by God. See, I heard you were at Ravensbrook. You may not remember me, she did, but I was one of the guards there and I did horrible things. And I'm thankful you came today to just assure me that God can forgive even the most horrible things. He said, but there's one thing left. She said, ma'am, he said, ma'am, I would like your forgiveness too. And he just held out her hand held out his hand. Corey was speechless. Had, had no clue what to do. All of this anger and this frustration and this hurt just boiling over on her. And she said, I cannot forgive this man for what he did to me. I cannot forgive him for the death of my sister. I cannot forgive him for what his country and his government did to millions of people. But she was a follower of Christ and she knows that there is a command to forgive your enemies. So she said, God, I can't do it. Maybe if I can just will myself to pick up my hand and take his hand, maybe that's enough. And so she prayed, God, give me the strength. Give me the strength to take his hand and forgive. And with a trembling hand and tears in her eyes, she reached out and grasped his hand. 
And the craziest thing happened. She said, from the moment my hand grabbed his, that small act of love and forgiveness to just reach out to a man who had done so much wrong to her, she said, suddenly it was like I was just energized and I started bursting with love and excitement. Suddenly everything changed. See, what Corey Ten Ten Boom learned in that moment was that forgiveness is what brings healing. As a matter of fact, Corey will tell you in her, in her ministry as she had this giant house and she just had these Holocaust survivors coming in, she said the people who could forgive, the people who could come to a point where they could forgive their captors, could move on with their life and live productive lives, but the people who could never forgive never actually got out of those concentration camps, many of them dying early. And so I start with that this morning because we're starting a new series called Stop the Hurt. And what I want to do is for us is I want to address our scars and I want us to reclaim our lives after our scars. And we know the key to that is forgiveness. And let me just say, I know in this room as we talk about that, I know that so many of you have so many stories. I've got a story or two myself. And I know probably the moment I said forgiveness or I talked about hurt, probably a face or a time or an instant popped into your brain of what somebody did to you. And I just want you to know that that God feels that with you. But God commands us and he commands us because he knows it will free us. He commands us to work towards forgiveness. So in this series, what I want to do is I want to seek a practical process to figure out how we can move past the hurt how we can stop the hurt, and how we can forgive. So we're going to talk about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. And we're also going to talk about what forgiveness actually looks like practically. So I want you to remember this. This isn't on your notes, but you may want to write it. We're calling this Stop the Hurt for the Reason. Stop is an acronym for forgiveness. Today we'll be focusing on the S, which is a side-by-side comparison. T is trust God. O is own yours, and P is use the procedure. So today I want to talk about the beginning steps of forgiveness, which is a side-by-side comparison. If you've got your Bible, we are in Matthew 18. We're going to start in verse 21. Here we have Jesus teaching on forgiveness. Read with me. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times. Jesus said unto him, I say unto you, Uh, I say unto you, until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to come back to that. So Jesus is speaking on forgiveness. And Peter, I love Peter. Don't you love Peter? He's always like the first one to go, I'm going to say something smart and it comes out really dumb. I really identify with Peter. That happens to me like like all the time. So, So Peter's coming up to Jesus and goes, okay, Jesus, I want to forgive. I will forgive. You're commanding us to forgive. How many times should I forgive? And what you don't know is you think Peter, or Peter thinks he is being really, really beyond generous right here. Because the rabbis at that that time would have taught, you owe somebody three forgivenesses, three strikes and you're out. That's actually where we got the game of baseball. Not really, I'm kidding. I didn't get baseball from that. But that, that, that that was the teaching of the time. And so Peter's going, well, all of the spiritual leaders of the world say three times, I'm going to be super spiritual, I'm going to say seven times. Seven times can I forgive somebody. And Jesus is, going to, Jesus is going to talk back to him about that. But before we continue into what Jesus says and how Jesus answers, let's define the action that Peter is getting into. What is forgiveness? If you're taking notes on your outline here, uh, number one is forgiveness is giving up your right to anger, retribution, and repayment. 
I'm going to say that again. I want you to listen very carefully and study on those words. Forgiveness is giving up your right to anger, retribution, and repayment. Now, oftentimes we will overdefine forgiveness and we'll try, to, we'll try to see what forgiveness means. And what forgiveness a lot of times we think means is I've got to pretend like something didn't happen. I've got to make it all right. A lot of times we'll say forgive and forget. I've got to be best friends with this person again. So before we go any farther, I want to define what forgiveness is not. Point two on your outline. Forgiveness is not excusing actions, denying emotions, or accepting future mistreatment. As a matter of fact, in order to forgive, you have to do the exact opposite of that. To forgive, you have to acknowledge that there's a reason you need to forgive. You must acknowledge that something that they did to you was unfair. You have to acknowledge that that came with a, a cost, an emotional cost to their actions. And you have to acknowledge that that is never acceptable or excusable. And only then, when you acknowledge those things, can you actually forgive. Because now you've got a choice when you acknowledge that was unfair, it should have never happened, it cost me something, and it should never happen again. Then, then you get to make a choice. Do I hold on to my right? Do I hold on to myself and say that I am going to expect them to repay me in some time? Or do I forgive and give up that right? See, in relationships, naturally, the way we function is we think of relationships as a kind of balance, right? Like, like somebody gives me a gift, so I'm going to give them a gift. Somebody loves me, so I'm going to love them. Somebody does something to me, so I'm going to do something to them. That's the way humans work. That's the way we think of relationships. And so when somebody does something to us, our first reaction is they owe me in some way. I'm going to balance the relationship again. Either they're going to do something to repay me for what they did, or I'm going to do something to be on equal footing with them. And so we, we do things like a lot of times it just comes out as gossip. We, we, just, we just grab a friend and go, you'll never believe what Brian just did to me. That jerk. And your friends will be like, oh yeah, he's a jerk. He's a jerk. I hate him. And they'll start telling people too. And we're getting our repayment by just getting people on our side that are affirming that we're right and everybody else now thinks Brian is a jerk. So a lot of times we just start with gossip. Uh, sometimes, sometimes we get a little bit uh, deeper than that and it'll come out to what I would call verbal assault. Don't, don't lie to me, you've done it. Somebody hurts you or you're in a fight and you're sitting in a corner and you're just planning, I can't wait till they say it to me. They can come in and say good morning and go, it's not a good morning because you did this. And we plan how we're going to put somebody in, our play, in their place. And we're going to repay them by making them feel dirty or, or, or sad about what they did to us. Sometimes we may go for actual retaliation or revenge. And, and let's be honest, we've all done this. And we love movies. If you watch a movie, how many movies are about revenge? You killed my mother. A lot of them. That is right. A lot of them are. You killed my mother. I'm going to kill you back. Like that's the plot of like 90,000 different movies. And so something inside of us that says, if somebody does something to you, you plot your revenge. You'll never believe this. Is she in here? Oh, good, she's not in here. Okay. <laughs> so my wife and I sometimes have what we like to call uh, moments of intense fellowship. It's a 
fight, okay? So, so, so sometimes, sometimes we don't always see eye to eye. Now, I love her very much. She loves me. We don't need counseling. We're good. But sometimes we don't see eye to eye. And not too long ago, we were having a disagreement. And uh, there was a lot of hurt. It went on for like a week. We just couldn't get on the same page. Nobody was really doing anything. We just couldn't get on the same page with this, this one topic. And I was mad. And I was upset. And I was hurting. And so you know what I'm doing? I'm driving down the road. I'm going somewhere. And I'm thinking, you know what her problem is? She married too good of a man. Now, now you, know, you know that you're thinking logically instead of emotionally when what you're saying is my wife is mad at me because I'm too good of a husband, right? So, so I'm thinking that it's like, you know what, all my friends, I know people. I'm at home every Friday night. I'm washing dishes. I'm cooking supper. I did laundry one time last year. My friends don't do that. They're going out. You know what I'm doing this weekend? I'm going out, I'm calling my friends, and I'm going out, and she can stay at home and take care of the baby. And I'm thinking in my mind, it's like, oh, she deserves that. Maybe then she'll recognize what a great husband she has, because I don't do that all the time. You know why I didn't do it? Because I don't have any friends to call and go out with on Friday night. No, I, I backed off of it. But honestly, within, within my heart, that's what was going on. And, and if you're shocked to hear a pastor stand on a stage and say that, I just want to say, uh, w- welcome to Ramsey Heights. And if you're going to keep coming here, you need to understand something is every person in this room has a broken, sinful nature. From me, to the people that teach your children in Sunday school, to the person sitting in front of you, even you. And we don't come here to pretend that we don't have that broken, sinful nature. We come here to confess that broken, sinful nature and say, let's fight that together so we can be more like God. But a lot of times what we do, and I know you do it too, is we think of a way that we can retaliate or get revenge. And, and some of us have experienced either on one end of it or the other, even physical anger, anger, where we act physically against somebody or we imagine ourselves acting physically against someone. And what forgiveness means is when I have the options to do all of that plus more, and I say, no, I'm not going to hold that against them anymore. I'm not going to hold on to my right to repay you or to expect repayment from you because you hurt me. So we acknowledge you hurt me, but you owe me nothing because of it. That's, that's what forgiveness is. And so when you look at Peter as he's trying to understand this, what is Peter actually asking about forgiveness? Peter's asking Jesus, what are my minimum requirements? Like, how many times do I have to forgive before I can exercise my right to take revenge or retaliation on people? And if we're being honest, if we're being honest, this is the way we all handle forgiveness. We, we all say, okay, there is a minimum threshold that I have to, have to meet, but after that, it's full game. And some of you are sitting here right now, and listen, I know, like, I'm processing some things, you're processing some hurt, and you're trying to figure out what your minimum requirement is. Peter here said, my minimum requirement is how many times? Some of you are saying, well, my minimum requirement is the severity of what was done to me. This is my minimum requirement. They did this. I can go full bore. I don't have to forgive. Uh, some of us are, are, are processing that in a different way where we're comparing their actions to ours and say they did so much more than I did. But listen, Jesus annihilates that mindset in us. When Jesus answers Peter, Peter's going, Jesus, what's my minimum? What do I have to do? Seven times and then I can take revenge? And Jesus goes, no, 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 Peter, seven times, 70 times. If you're like me, you did the math on that. That's 490 times. Don't be counting 490 times your husband didn't do the dishes. What Jesus was trying to get at is an uncountable amount of times. Look, if you're sitting here in like 463, 464, so there's something wrong with you. 
not with the person doing something to you. Jesus is saying an uncountable amount of times. And so Jesus changes this. Instead of having a heart that says, what is my minimal requirement of forgiveness to make God happy? Jesus says, live a life of forgiveness that frees you from hurt. Make it part of your core being that you forgive people. Make it part of your life that you don't hold things against people. And with that, what Jesus is saying, there's this undertone here. Your next take-home truth is forgiveness is a choice. Some of you, that's like a slap in the face. Have a choice to forgive? Because if you have a choice, the weight is on you. It means it's your responsibility to forgive, not somebody else's responsibility to help you forgive. Through ministry in different ways. I counsel a lot of people. Some of you will come to me and talk about how things are hurting you. I've, I've done marriage counseling before. And I, I keep getting this to this place. I'm like, okay, if you're going to move forward with this relationship, if you're going to fix this, you've got to forgive what they did. You can't keep holding this against them and expect you to have a good relationship. And what I hear too many times is people will say to me, Brian, I can't forgive. But that's a lie. And it is a lie straight from Satan. If you hear a voice in your head saying, you can't forgive that, you don't have the power, that is not the truth because Jesus says that you can because he gives you an option to. Jesus will never ask you to do something you are not capable of doing. And so it's a lie from Satan because what Satan wants us to do is hold on to the hurt and hold on to the anger and keep waiting for repayment will never come and keep plotting revenge that will never even make it better so that he can keep us in the midst of that pain. Satan knows this. He knows that if you forgive, you'll be released from the hurt. And he doesn't want you released from the hurt. So he keeps giving us this lie. So most of the time, what that means when people say, I can't forgive, it can't be true. Jesus says you can. Most of the time, what people are actually saying is one of two things. Number one, people are saying is, I don't want to forgive or it's hard to forgive. And if we rephrase it like that, I don't want to forgive. That means that you came to that choice where you could have forgave and released it, released your right to repayment, released your right to anger, released your right to retribution. But I choose not to because I want so badly to be repaid. In that case, what we're actually doing is we're, we're making a decision to obey God and do the hard things that he asks us to or disobey God and do what comes naturally and easy to us. But I find that honestly, secondly, most people that say to me, Brian, I don't know how to forgive, what they're saying, it, or say I can't forgive, they're saying I don't know how to forgive. And I think that's fair. Because if we're being honest, if we're being honest, we don't know how to forgive. How do I lay down that hurt without picking it back up? How, how do I truly live like somebody who is forgiven? What even is forgiveness? And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at practically what does it look like to make the choice to forgive from God's own word. And step one on your notes there, take home truth, step one is a side-by-side -side comparison. Let me explain what that means. If you've got your Bibles open, let's, let's read again. Jesus speaking, he's gonna teach in a parable. And what a parable is, is it's a story that Jesus makes up. It's a hypothetical situation and it teaches you a spiritual truth through a story that you can understand. So, so here's the parable, parable, verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. 
But for so much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay it all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave the debt. Keep your Bibles open. We're coming back to that. So let me explain the story here. You've got two characters that are introduced here. One is apparently a very wealthy king. And number two is a servant that works for him. Today, to make this easier to understand, we're going to call that servant Bill. Everybody say Bill. All right. So Bill has all of this money that he owes him. And the king is going through his accounts and he says, Bill owes me money. Bring Bill here. And Bill comes in and the king says, hey, can you repay me? And Bill goes, I can't repay you right now. I don't have that kind of money. But please, 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 I'll, I'll get it. Please don't do this to me. And the king looks at him and goes, you know what we're going to do? I don't believe you're ever going to pay me. I'm going to sell you and your wife and your children into slavery. I'm going to take your house. I'm going to sell that so I can get some of my money back. And Bill cries out, no, please don't. Please give me another chance. And the king the king looks at him and goes, you know what? Forget about it. I give up my right to collect repayment from you. You took from me. You owe me. But I released that right for you. Bill, go ahead. Walk debt free. Now, now to understand the whole of this, we've got to do some math. I hate math just as much as you do, but we've got, we got to do some math here. So it says that the amount owed was 10,000 talents. Talents is a Greek form of money. It's like our dollar. Okay, so how much is a talent? Well, a talent is 6,000 denarius. That made it real clear, right? 6,000 denarius. Well, let me explain what a denarius is. One denarius, one denarius is the daily wage of a day laborer. So if we do the math on this, if we start to do the math on this, if one denarius is the day, uh, day's wage and there's 6,000 of them to a talent and there's 10 talents owed, actually what he's asking for is the equivalent of over 200,000 years worth of labor. If you do the math, I did the math with this just using minimum wage, $4.6 trillion dollars. Now, Jesus is doing that same thing here. He's not saying this is the actual amount. He's saying there's an uncalculable amount that's being owed here, an unpayable amount. And what we see here is this king looks down at somebody who owes him all of this. He says, you know what? Don't worry about it. Go ahead. How would you live if that was you? If you owed 4.6 trillion with a T dollars. And the guy called you in and said, I'm just going to sell you into slavery. And you're like, please don't. And he's like, okay. Like, how would you live day to day? It would change how we live. Like, if I got fired from my job, I'd be like, hey, you know what? I may not have a job, but I don't owe anybody $4.6 trillion. So I'm actually doing pretty good right now. Uh, the car broke down. I'm going to have to have a new motor put in it, but I don't owe anybody $4.6 trillion. So I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Gas went up again. <laughs> But I don't owe anybody $4.6 trillion. So I'm doing pretty good. It, it's, it's okay. But I want you to look at what we expect and how we would live versus how Bill lived. Back to the scripture. This is chapter 18. We're going to start at verse 28. But the same servant, that's Bill, but Bill went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. And the fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay it all to you. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison 
till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. So listen to what happens. Bill, he walks out of this king's mansion. It's a close one. Me and my whole family almost thrown in prison. And, and now I'm walking around free. I don't know anybody, anything. Completely out of debt. And he's walking around and he sees another servant that works with him. We're going to call this one Steve. Everybody say Steve. All right, so Bill sees Steve. And Steve owes him some money. I did, I did the math on this one too. So if you convert this to uh, Denarius as well. Uh, basically what he owes is Steve owes Bill about $8,000, which would be the equivalent of about three months work. So, so Bill and Steve have this thing where Steve owes Bill money and Bill sees him and he doesn't just go, hey, probably should think about writing me a check. You'll see like this personal anger coming out of Bill. He grabs him by the throat and he shoves him up and he goes, where's my money? And, and we see the story repeated again and again. And so Steve's going, I'm sorry, I don't have it, but if you give me time, I'll give you, I'll pay you like payments, please don't let me. And Bill's like, don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. And he throws him in debtor's prison. Now, what you're thinking right now is that Bill is a jerk. Take home truth number five. Bill is a jerk. That's not really on there. I'm kidding. But that's, that's what you're thinking right now. But why are you thinking that? Because the truth is, if somebody had just owed Bill $8,000 three months later and Bill went to collect, that's business. $8,000 is a lot of money. But in light of where Steve... Get my names mixed up. In light of where Bill just walked out of, just being forgiven such a huge debt, it's like, come on, dude, you just got forgiven $4.6 trillion. Brother, let the $8,000 go. It's not that big of a deal. And so what the Bible's teaching us here, what, what Jesus is teaching us here is that the first half of this story changes the second half. This is your next take-home truth. How much we forgive should reflect how much we've been forgiven. That's what Jesus is saying. How much you're willing to forgive somebody should be reflective of how much you have already been forgiven. Now, I said this was an earthly story with a spiritual meaning. So, so let me explain to you what the meaning of the scripture of the story is here. The king, the gracious, compassionate king, that's God. Bill, the jerk, that's you. <laughs> I got to call you a jerk and got away with it. Steve is whoever that person is to you this morning. Steve is that person that's been in your mind since I said forgiveness and since I said hurt. And so if you process through that story, you're going, wait a second. I'm the villain in the story that Jesus gives us. Yes, yes, we are. If we can be forgiven by God what we owe him, and we cannot offer that same forgiveness to other people. Yes, that makes us the villain. So what we want to do in starting and trying to make the choice to forgive as Christ called us is we want to take a side-by-side -side comparison. I want to step back from the hurt and the argument and what I think is owed me. I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to take a step back. And then I'm going to ask, okay, how much, how much do I owe God? And I'm going to compare, compare that to how much I think is owed me. And if you're honest with yourself, and the way Jesus puts in here, it's an inconceivable, incalculable debt that we owe to God. We call that debt sin. We call that the, the ways that we've been imperfect. You'll hear sin defined a lot of times as like not being perfect or missing the mark of perfection. You know what sin is? 
Sin is when we slap God in the face and we say, you've done nothing to be good to us. But God, you are nothing. You mean nothing to me. You're not as good as the dollar bills in my pocket. You're not as good as the sexual gratification I can find in the world. Oh, you love those people over there? Oh, they're nothing. I can use them for my gain. You give me blessings, I'm gonna use them against you. And that's how we live with God. But listen to this. God forgives us for those things. Even your, you know what I'm talking about. Your little sins. The ones that don't matter very much. It's a direct insult to God. Just as powerful or more powerful than anything, actually more powerful than anything anybody has ever done to you. And yet God forgives us. Not only does he forgive us, he rushes to forgive us. He doesn't begrudgingly do it. He sought us out to forgive us. And when I compare what I've done to God and the debt I have worked up sinning against him versus how somebody has sinned against me, I'd be like, yeah, they, they rejected me. But compared to how I rejected God, it's not that much. They, they gave me a personal slap in the face, but the way I spit in the face of my God, it's not really the same. They turned their back on me, but it's nothing compared to the way I've turned my back on God. And so what this does is it puts us in the correct frame of mind because what we see with Bill and what we're all shocked about with Bill in the story is how blind and prideful Bill is. Like, how can you walk in to a room and demand that much money after you've just been forgiven that much money? How can you say forgive me to one person and say I won't forgive you to another person? In the story, people are blown away. Our next take home truth is unforgiveness is a symptom of pride and blindness because we're just like Bill. We're so focused on what people owe us that we forget what God has forgiven us of. And we forget how important that is. And so for that reason, either we don't understand how much Jesus has truly forgiven us of, which means we're blind, or even worse, we don't care, which means we're prideful. And I know what you're thinking. Brian, you said this was going to be a series about healing. And so far what you've done has made me the villain of a story that Jesus told and you've told me that if I can't or won't let go of something, if I won't forgive, then I'm prideful. How's this helping? Biblically speaking, biblically speaking, there is no healing to your hurt in pridefulness. You will only find healing to your hurt in humility. Because as long as I look in the mirror and I think to myself, I am the greatest thing in this world, how dare anybody make a mistake that would affect me? Nothing is forgivable. But the second I look in the mirror and I say, you know what, really, I'm nothing except for a sinner saved by grace. And God could find it in his heart to forgive me. I can sure forgive somebody else who needs grace for me the same way that I needed grace for them. And if we do that, what we learn is something that even as Christians, I think we miss a lot of times. I think we miss this. I think that we think that we do something really good and we earn God's grace and forgiveness. Well, if I get baptized, I'll earn God's grace and forgiveness. If I show up to church, I'll get God's grace and forgiveness. If I read my Bible, I'll get God's grace and forgiveness. No, no, no. When you truly look at how big our debt is to God, what you learn is that forgiveness was not earned. It was given. And so now I apply that to somebody who hurt me and I realize there is no forgiveness that they can earn. It's a forgiveness that I have to be willing to give to them. And giving that grace, giving that forgiveness is my 
choice. And if we're being truthful, the expectation is, is that our lives reflect that. Let's continue to read this, starting back in verse thir- uh, 32. So back to the story. Then his Lord, that's the king, after that he had called him, said unto him, he's talking to, to Bill, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you desirest me, you begged me. Shouldn't thou, uh, shouldn't not thou have also had compassion on your fellow servant, on Steve, even as I had pity on you? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. Jesus speaking, listen carefully, this is important. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one of his brothers their trespasses. So Jesus ends the story with this. He says, imagine how angry that king was who sacrificed so much to forgive Bill of that debt. When he found out that Bill would not forgive a measly $8,000. And so he goes and captures him and he delivers him to the punishers because, or he delivers him to be tormented and punished because of how unforgiving he was in light of what he had been forgiven. And this is what Jesus says. He said, This is how God the Father looks at things. I I was tempted to glance over that. Let me be very clear. This is straight from the mouth of Jesus. He said, this is how God looks at things. If you don't forgive, what right do you have to ask or live in the forgiveness of God? Our next take home truth is accepting God's forgiveness means we forfeit our right to deny others forgiveness. See, the truth is, the truth is, is that forgiveness should change us. We should be like Bill walking around with this, with this huge debt lifted off our shoulders. The world should be new. Who cares if the car breaks down? I've been forgiven. Who cares what happens in this world? I've been forgiven. I have a completely different future. And the best thing about all of that is I didn't earn it. It is a free gift of God that he gives me by his grace and all of my sin and rejection and personal attacks of him went away. You want to understand the weight of our debt to God? You want to understand how much we owe him? You, you look at the punishment. You can generally tell how bad a crime is by what the punishment is. If I'm going down the road and I get pulled over for speeding, I'm going 10 miles above the speed limit. What do I get? I get a ticket, $200, not that bad. If I kill somebody, what punishment do I get? The punishment that I get is most likely execution or at the very least life in prison. And so by looking at that, I can say that killing somebody is probably a bigger crime than speeding. Look at the punishment for the way that we've rejected God. One day, one day we stand in heaven before a perfect God, the one that we've rejected all of our lives. And he looks at us and he sees everything we've done wrong. And Jesus, or I'm sorry, God is so disgusted by the sin. He says, I can't even look at you. You can't stay here with me after you rejected me all your life. And, and he sends us away. That is the punishment for what we have done. That is the punishment for what we have done with God. But God himself said, I don't want you to have to do that. And so here's what he did. He grabbed his son he said, hey, I got to punish these sins. So here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to be born in a dirty stable. 
I'm going to need you to grow up. I'm going to need you to experience scraping your knee for the first time. I'm going to need you to be okay with people denying you and rejecting you. I'm going to need you to be okay with them taking three nails and driving them in you. And the whole time, I'm going to sit in heaven and I'm going to listen to you scream. And I'm going to take everything that has ever been done wrong and I'm just going to put all of that anger and fury on you. See, that's the price of our forgiveness. If you want to know how big it is for us to be forgiven, that's what God did to his own son so you and me can be free because in the nature of God, forgiveness is that important that he wants us to be able to stand in front of him. And in that, you know what God says? He says, I give up my right to punish you because I punished my son instead of you. I forgive you. Live if you want to start coming this way. When I stand in front of God that guilty and I realize that, that he forgave me, I can look at the people who stand guilty in front of me and I say, you know what, it's nothing. I can forgive you. So this morning, as we come to our reflection time, I just want to ask you a couple questions. Number one, you may be hearing something about your guilt before God that's never clicked with you. And it may be time for you to, to give that up to God and ask him for his forgiveness. Listen, it is free. All you have to do is go to God and say, will you forgive me? I know that you put all of the blame for my sin on Jesus Christ. Will you forgive me? And it's like that. He'll give it to you. But some of us may be in here and we're holding on to something. Man, it's not you. It's us. Trust me. Holding on to something wasn't right. Shouldn't have happened. Maybe it's time for you to take a moment and look in the mirror and see how much you did to God and compare what was done to you and be willing to make the choice to do the hard work of forgiveness because God says that you have the ability and he commands us to do it. And here's the promise. If you can forgive, it will stop the hurt. Let's stand and worship together.